Well, you're on 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice on this delightful Sunday afternoon. And talking of delightful people (laughs) (laughs) and positive people, a very warm welcome to Pastor Samuel and Alita Robinson from Reasonable Christianity. Thank you, Peter. Nice to have you here. (laughs) Nice to be here. As always. And how are we, Samuel? We're good? Yes, uh, we are really good. And as I always say, praise Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, we had promised our listeners that we were going to start uh, a bit of a discussion about heaven this week. Mm. But um, we've had a, uh, a question that's been pending for a while yes. that uh, has gazumped it for the moment. So stay tuned. <laughs> it will happen in the next couple of weeks, but not today. All right. So our question today is about prayer. Yes. So the, the listener is saying, why do we pray when some prayers are answered and some are not? If God, in the end, will always do what is best for us, then why pray? I mean, the Bible does say uh, you, you don't receive because you don't ask, but often you ask and you don't receive anyway. So there's that whole question of why are we doing it? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so if God knows what will happen, then why should we even pray? Mm-hmm. In other words, why pray? Anyway, God is all-knowing. Does prayer change his mind and his plans? Big question. Wow. Lots in there. <laughs> so put your seatbelts on. We're about to go for a ride. <laughs> It, it, it's sort of a you know, genuine question. Um, uh, it could be asked by somebody who just wants to go and all out assault on prayer, or it just could be asked, asked by somebody who's, you know, just struggling with what to do when you don't uh, have your prayer answered. Uh, and uh, so and then you have all these other things that Christian theology seems to indicate. Uh, for example, God is all-knowing, you know, at the end of the day, it's God's plan that shall be, uh, you know, fulfilled. God's will be done. Yeah. So then you go, okay, well, if it's will is going to be done every single time, what's the point of me praying, right? Okay. Mm. Uh, and so it's a deep question. And I like to thank, thank we, we always, you know, kindly thank our listeners for asking these questions. Because... Oh, pardon me. For some reason, I must have said finished my lunch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, for s- the person who asks questions, uh, you've heard me say this before, has been thinking about this. Because if somebody hasn't thought about it, you don't go and ask questions about quantum physics if you haven't been thinking about it. And they've thought about it and they've found some gap in knowledge that they desire is to try to bridge those gaps. And so in asking the question, they force us, who also hold these sort of Christian point of views, to meticulously uh, then, you know, dig into these, these concepts to see whether they are coherent. So uh, that was my, 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 my beginning, my, my remarks at the beginning to thank uh, the person who asked the question. And, and I'm going to say here that um, I'm going to start with at least the biblical data because the question is being asked, but the Bible affirm very strongly that we ought to pray, right? Uh, the Bible affirm strongly that we ought to pray, and I'm just going to give a couple of texts today uh, to make to make that point because um, I'm happy to start with the biblical data. Uh, here is First Thessalonians chapter five, verse seventeen. Uh, here's what scripture says. Um, and I'm going to read from verse 16. This is where we have a bit of context. Be joyful always. 
pray continually. Some version says pray without ceasing. Mm. Don't stop. Yeah. Right? Continually give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Okay. So that's one there. And if you turn to Philippians chapter 4, uh, Philippians chapter 4, and we're reading from verse, uh, I think it is verse um, 6, Philippians 4, verse 6 uh, and 7. Uh, here's what the apostle write: Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then in the peace of God, that surpass all understanding, shall cover your heart in Christ. So scripture tells us here. There's another text that I always call the Luke 8.18, uh, which is um, Jesus gave a parable for the sole purpose of saying to his disciples they ought to pray and never stop. Right? It's called the parable of the persistent widow. Mm. So then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. So there is, at least from a biblical prescription point of view, we ought to pray. So let's settle that biblically. Now, to the question. Okay. Well, if some prayer answered and some are not, it puts us in a, in a, in a place of uncertainty then why should we pray? Because we don't know which one is going to be answered, which one, you know. it's And that's what I get. It's the uncertainty. Uh, but I'm going to go at the very core of this question to say the question is predicated on an assumption that when we request, it should give us everything we request for us to know that we ought to request. Now, that doesn't sound necessarily true, not even in real life, mm. okay? Not even in real life. Children ask their parents all sorts of things all the time. Sometimes dad says yes, sometimes mom says yes, sometimes dad says no, sometimes mom says no. Is the fact that dad says no or mom says no mean the child shouldn't request ever again? Of course not. And so, if it is a request, if prayer is an ask, to every ask, there will be a yes or a no. To every ask, there will be a yes or a no. And so, I say to my children all the time, if, for example, my little girl asks for something, and then when I say no, she throws a temper tantrum. Mm -hmm. So I said to her, either you are asking or you are telling. If you tell me, I have no right to say no mm. because you're in charge. But if you are asking, you assume that I'm in charge to assess the request and to go, yes, you will have what you've requested. No, you won't have what you've requested. Sometimes it might be you won't have what you request ever or you won't have what you request for now. Yeah. Yes and no are answers. The question assumes that the answer to prayer is always yes. If God doesn't say yes, he has an answer to prayer. No, when he says no, it's an answer too. Mm. And so this particular question is, 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 is mistaken on the definition and the nature and the purpose of prayer. 
Prayer is a request to the deity, to the God who's greater, who's bigger, who's the provider of everything, the knower of everything, who we are his children. And so as a parent, he knows us more than we know ourselves. He knows what is best for us. And so when we ask to him, if prayer is an ask, not a telling, when we ask, we expect that he will evaluate our request and he'll say, yes, I can give this to you now, you can handle it. No, I can't give it to you now because you won't be able to handle it ever. Or I'm going to give it to you just when you've grown up a little bit. Mm. So I think this is born out of, sometimes it's, it's cultural things where we have, over time, started to decrease who God is in our mind. So if we make God in our own image, so which means, you know, our culture now has sort of gotten to use a God who just does whatever we ask. You know the word, we God, and he's, he's just serving us. You know, you, you've heard me say before, if, if I agree with God, if I do only that which, when God says it, I agree with it, then I am God. Because if I disagree with what he says, I'm not going to do it. Well, I don't, I don't agree with everything that the, the law says. But when it's the law, I, I go with it. You see what I mean? So, in other words, God is God. And if he is God, we are not God. When we ask, his prayer is an ask and not a telling. We're not telling him what he should do. When he says no, we should be content with it. And therefore, it leads me, as, as answering to that first part of the question, to basically define what prayer is. Prayer is an act of humility. Prayer is the acceptance of dependency. Yes, prayer is asking, it's a request, but the entire purpose of prayer is not so that we could somehow validate God or inform him of things that he does not know. Prayer is an act of humility. We recognize that it's like the, the child who goes and asks to the parents. They accept that the parents provide, parents care, they, they depend on a child. Like, uh, they depend on the parents. So my children depend on me. And they know that. They don't have to fight to not depend on me. They, they are happy to depend on me because they know that my intentions are loving. My intentions are good toward them. Therefore, uh, their dependence is justified. So in that sense, prayer is an act of humility. The person who prays doesn't inform God of that which God does not know. Mm. The person who prays is just simply informing themselves that I am human and I depend on God. He knows more than I do. I'll go and if, if we could do it all by ourselves, why do we go and request? So prayer is an act of humility and the acceptance of dependency. If that's the way we've defined, then a yes is an answer, a no is an answer. Even sometimes a silence is an answer. That might be a just wait and see yes. answer. All right. Well, we'll come back to that. <laughs> to that. Let's enjoy some great music here again on 105.1 Life FM. Sick of all 
the best of heaven to resolve our fall. You went on. So Samuel, we're back talking about the question of prayer um, and uh, you gave us some really nice examples of, of how, it, how requests um, play out in the family when people are, uh, are making a request yeah. to, uh, to their parents, yeah. not making a demand and not uh, making an order but uh, asking for a request, a request and in that mm. um, you have an option of a variety of answers, yes, no or silence, which is a sort of a maybe, maybe. <laughs> so, you know, part of the question was, you know, God knows what's best for us. You know, if when we live in him, live for him, um, he's always um, doing the best for us. So in that context then, um, is there any real need to pray? Because if God, if we have faith in God and he says, you know, I'm doing the very best for you, um, then, uh, then why don't we just trust him and not ask him anyway and just sort of say, well, it's okay. God's going to do the best for me, so it's all cool. So what is your thought around that? It's interesting because I think uh, as, as we finish that first segment there, I got talking to our, our listeners online on the live feed, and, uh, and I was making a, a point that I'm going to make uh, here and as a segue into answering that uh, second question. The thing we're struggling with here 
is not prayer itself. The things that people are struggling with is whether God should have the jurisdiction. <laughs> That's all it is. I think we just want stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we, we want to get what we want yes. when we want it at, yeah. at the command, you know. And that's it. Does God have jurisdiction? I was giving an example to the live Facebook live audience to say, when I was coming to Australia before, I was actually established here as an Australian. I used to apply for visas. And and when I apply for a visa, it's because I recognize the Australian government's jurisdiction, the authority over the land. And I couldn't come in here just because I wanted to. <laughs> you know, it, it had to be whether the government said, okay, it's it's proper for you to come in. So I'd put my application in. I consider it to be like a prayer. Okay. <laughs> I put my request in. Mm. And it had to be according to the Australian government's will. Okay. I had to fill in a particular set of criterias. Like, you know, I'm not saying the Australian government was God, but I'm just... Metaphor yeah. for jurisdiction. So if I feel all those uh, those things, the Bible says you pray according to his will. Not only do we know that he hears us, but also he answers because it's in his will, right? So I put in my application. And if the Australian government said, no, you're not coming in this time, well, did it disappoint me? Yeah. Did, I get, did, I, did it hurt? Yeah. But I recognize the head jurisdiction. That's it. You know, they had jurisdiction, and I had to wait for the name. And they always say, oh, you can put another application if you want. <laughs> and, and so, in the same way, God has jurisdiction on the universe. He made the universe. He made you. He has jurisdiction. It's like the child who recognizes my parents have got jurisdiction. Now, I know these days kids who don't think their parents have got jurisdiction because they tell their parents. Because if the parents don't do it, they go throw a tantrum until they force their parents' hands. Mm. But that's not how it should work because, you know, God is jurisdiction. We ought to let him be God, right? Now, to the next question. Okay, well, if he knows what is best, <laughs> begrudgingly, <laughs> he's going to do it anyway. <laughs> well, why do we have to ask him then? <laughs> yeah, just because I want something doesn't mean he thinks it's the best thing for me, so I'm not going to yeah. get it anyway, even if I persist. I actually think, and this is biblical, that it is a blessing that God knows what is best. Mm. It is actually a blessing that we have a God who not only knows what is best, is independent enough to not be bullied by us or intimidated by <laughs> us to say yes. <laughs> Why? Because otherwise, it would be like a genie in a bottle. Yes, exactly. You just make a wish, whether it is good or bad, <laughs> the genie just gives it to you and it causes you all sorts of trouble. Because the genie doesn't say, I love you so much that I'm not going to let you go and damage yourself. Mm -hmm. So I am happy. We ought actually to be very, very comforted that we have a God who loves us. And if we ask something that he knows this is going to cause us troubles, that he will say, look, son, daughter, you are not big enough or mature enough to handle this one. Or... Now, this is not part of my will for you. You won't, don't need to have that. And so, you know, I, I've, I've given the, the, the example of, of parents here over and over again. You think about it. If my, if my little girl went, Dad, give me the car keys I want to drive. <laughs> and, it was, and this has happened. Yeah. It has happened. She said, you know, Dad, can I have the key? <laughs> I want to drive. And I said to her, you cannot drive at this stage. She said, I can <laughs> I can see her doing that actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she was she was adamant. <laughs> yeah. I can. Now, thank God I'm a loving dad. 
it would have been careless on my part to give her the and she could she's watched me move the the gear and it's an automatic car yeah so she's seen me move that she's seen where the key goes and she knows how to turn it on i can guarantee you that if left to her own device with that key she would turn that car on she would try to move those gears well think about it even if my son matthew is eight he's is he is able to reach he, the pedals he can mm. But does it mean I should give him a car? If, what if he cried in that? I really want the car. What if he said, "My, it would be great if my friends saw me just driving it." The other day, he was making the case to me that you know that if, but I can. Like, why don't you let me try? <laughs> I'm like, wait until you're 16 when I start to teach you. <laughs> and so, and and that's the thing. It is good. It is actually a blessing. Mm. That we have a God who knows what is best for us. We ought to be thankful for that. Instead of saying, well, what if he knows what is best for us? Well, since he knows what is best for us, what is the point of asking? We ask so that we can learn to depend on him. We can learn to be humble. And sometimes so that we can learn when we are not ready for something. Because sometimes we think we're ready for something that we're not ready for. Mm. The thing is, we don't think that... I mean, it's not it's sort of affirmed strongly that, oh, we don't think that God knows. We just don't want him to be directing us because we know he does. And so we go, but I want that, and he has to give it to me. Well, if he doesn't give it to me, then I'm not going to ask. Let him do that. It's sort of taking an extreme position to something that should be reasonable. Mm. I ask him. He knows what's best for me. When he says no, I'm going, sure, no problems. Uh, you, know, you and I, we've had this sort of funny discussion before. Right? Maybe I don't know. Should I bring it on the air? But <laughs> since I've already started, let me let me. You better. Do. We had this this funny discussion. I was, you know, uh, there was something, you know, about God's kingdom, about God's church that I was about to share with you. Like, uh, and I said, I want to tell you a secret. There's something to do with God's church and the things that God has. And the Holy Spirit said, no. And I said, oh, the Holy Spirit just resisted me from saying it. And you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Why did you bring it up? Now it's, I'm curious. That's right. <laughs> do you remember Paul was about to go and preach the gospel in a particular place and he says the Holy Spirit resisted us from going there. Mm. He could have gotten bent out of shape. <laughs> <laughs> I got a little bent out of shape, I think. <laughs> Why does the Holy Spirit resist us? Go Preaching the gospel is a great thing. Mm. We want to go there to preach the gospel. He says the Spirit of Christ resisted us. Mm. Because he knows what is best. Yeah. It is a point of trust. Prayer will build trust in you. And it's patience, Samuel. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm learning. I'm learning Praise better Jesus and better every that. day. Yeah. That. So that's a way of looking at that second, second uh, sub-question there. Uh, and so we have some time to look at the third sub-question or, you know, it, it depends. Uh, sometimes it's always good to have a bit of a nice uh you know interlude and then we we sink it to the next sub 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 question uh which will be fantastic all right so we're going to enjoy another piece of great music as you're listening to 105.1 life fm Drowning, 
in your sea of forgetfulness The chains of yesterday surround me I yearn for peace and rest I don't want to end up where you found me And it echoes in my mind Keeps me awake tonight I know you've cast my sin as far as East is from the west, and I stand before you now as, as though I've never sinned. But today I feel like I'm just one mistake away from you leaving me this way. Jesus, can you show me just how far the east is from the west? Cause I can't bear to see. I've been rising up in me again In the arms of your mercy I find rest Cause you know just how far the east is from the west From one scarred hand to the other Time again, your truth is drowned out by the storm I'm in. Today I feel like I'm just one mistake away from you leaving me this way. Jesus, can you show me just how far the east is from the west? Cause I can't bear to see the man I've been come rising up in me. Yeah, in the arms of your mercy I find rest Cause you know just how far the east is from the west One's got hand to the other I know you've washed me white Turned my darkness into light I need your peace to get me through To get me through this night I can't live by what I So Samuel, the next part of this question, the sub-question is, um, 
if God knows what will happen, then why should we pray? And you hear uh, the stories of people that have prayed for something for 25 years. Um, and we were talking about it before we went on air. Um, you know, the patience of someone who's praying into something for such a long time every single day yes. um, uh, is, is a gift, I think, um, of, of someone who obviously has a heart for something very specific. Yes. Um, but at the end of the day, we don't know if, if, uh, if what we're praying for is... Um, is what God is going to deliver, yes. Um, and if that will actually happen the way that we're we're praying, so yes. you know, for those people that have been praying for something for a long, 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 long time, you know, um, are we encouraging them today? Do you think? Well, the, w- the first text we read said pray continually. Mm. The second text we pray, be anxious for nothing, but all things with you know, prayer supplication, make your request known unto God, right? The third text we read when we started the program was Jesus' own words. He gave them a parable to teach them that they ought to pray and not stop. So that's answered. You, you want the answer? You pray and pray and pray. Think about it. You know, I've, I've used the parents' example today a lot more because our relationship with God is a relationship of parents and children. We are children of God mm-hmm. and He's our Father. Like, how many times did your kids... Like, Jesus taught that we ought to have childlike faith, right? Mm. Not childish faith, but childlike faith. How many times do your children, when they were little, how many times did they ask for one thing? And consider God doesn't get annoyed by the fact that we've asked again and again. He doesn't. The problem is with us, we're thinking... Oh, but I've asked so many times. I want to get my way, but I'm not getting, so I'm going to stop. Well, he doesn't mind us reminding him or saying, and by the way, the more, the many times you pray about this subject, the humbling it is. You know, you get, you get humbled more and more. Because every time we go and pray about it, there's a bit of the little arrogance that is sort of unspoken. Why should I pray about it again? But he has just said, continue. Mm. Like, you know, there's something happening in you when you're praying. That's why he wants you to pray. You're not informing him of something he does not know. Prayer is about us, not about him. Can I say that again? Yes. We pray because of us, for us. Pray does something to us, not to God. And so let it teach us patience, humility, dependence. Our children don't get, don't stop. By the way, they can actually, children can, um, what's the Aussie term for this? Uh, you know, um, my wife uses it all the time. Uh, it's like, I mean, it's not annoy you, but, you know, they, uh, uh, what's the term? Oh, it's gone. You know, ah, the term is not coming, so I'll, I'll just, like when somebody asks, and it continues to ask and ask and ask. Now, you who's receiving the request could go, all right, I've had enough. Stop. But God doesn't even say, I've had enough. Stop. You just got to continue. Mm. Because he knows something is happening. Now. But let's answer the fundamental thing here that has been posited, which is God knowing, what, God knows what he's going to what's gonna do. And what's going to happen anyway. And, yes, and he knows what is going to, uh, he knows what is going to happen. He knows what he's going to do. So, why pray? As though we could change anything. Mm. 
Now, this is actually very different from the two first subset questions we answered. Because this one is a problem of theological fatalism. This is a deeper question. Theological fatalism, what do you mean? It means if God knows the future, if God knows what is going to happen, does it mean it is fated to happen? If God knows what is going to happen, does it mean it is fated to happen? Does it mean it must happen? Now, this question here conflates two notions in Christian theology. God's foreknowledge and God's foreordination. Two different things. It's a confusion between God's foreknowledge and God's foreordination. God's foreordination deals with God's decision for things to happen. God's foreknowledge is not, God for, is not God's foreordination. Because this, the assumption that w- what God knows then must happen, or because God knows something, it will follow that that must happen, is actually fallacious. It's not true. What follows that if God know what, knows what will happen, what follows logically is what God knows will happen, but not that what God knows must happen. Okay. Huh. Mm-hmm. What follows is what God knows will happen will happen, but it doesn't mean that what God knows uh, will happen must happen. Why? Because God gave us free will. If we ahead to do something different, then what God foreknows would be different. I'm going to, I've paused there because that requires experience. I can see the question mark on your, uh, on your, on your face. God's foreknowledge, the way to understand it is to give you an example. The fact that God foreknows something does not mean that is as foreordained it. Okay, It doesn't mean that his foreknowledge causes things to happen. The relationship between what will happen and what God foreknows is not a causality relationship. Only the relationship between his foreordination and what will happen is a causal relationship. But his foreknowledge and what will happen is not a causality relationship. God's foreknowledge doesn't cause what will happen to happen. I'll give you an example. Assume you had a perfect weather barometer. You've heard me say this before. A barometer that will tell you what the weather will be like tomorrow with exactness. If it's going to rain and it's going to be two, uh, you know, 25 degrees, the barometer will perfectly know it. But the barometer does not cause the weather. Should the weather change, the barometer would know something different pay the change of the weather without causing the weather. Okay. You see what I mean? Yeah. So, God knowledge, God foreknowledge is is chronologically prior to the event happening. By chronologically, I mean in time. God foreknows it before it happens in time. But the events are logically prior to God's foreknowledge. In other words, it is because of what I'm going to do that God foreknows it. God foreknows what I'm going to do because that's what I'm going to do. What I choose to do is what informs God's foreknowledge. 
It's like what the weather will be tomorrow is what informs the barometer. The barometer doesn't make the weather be what it is going to be tomorrow. The weather is going to be what the weather is going to be, and the barometer is going to foreknow it before it happens. And many believers who have not had the chance to separate these two, they conflate it all the time. God for ordination is when he decides this will happen. Then he set things in place to make that happen. So he foreknows what will happen while we're free to make the choices. Let's say we gave the example last time. If I'm going to eat pizza for dinner, God would foreknow that I'm going to eat pizza. But if I change my mind and I'm going to eat chicken, God would know that too. Why? Because his foreknowledge didn't determine whether you have chicken or pizza. Mm. You did that. You determined that. But whatever you determine, he would perfectly know it. So his foreknowledge is chronologically prior to you eating your chicken, but it is your choice to eat the chicken that is logically prior to his foreknowledge. Now, this is really deep matters of Christian theology that requires careful consideration and thinking. So, most people think, okay, if God knows what will happen, yeah, but if we were to pray, then, because God, this, this is, this is it's called, I was explaining about middle knowledge. So I said there's God, so the simple foreknowledge, you know, God's natural knowledge and God's free knowledge, okay? So, God free knowledge and then God natural knowledge. God knows all the possibilities, what could be, and then God knows that which will be, and God knows what would be, given a set of circumstances. It's mm. called middle knowledge. Now, so let's say, for example, uh, that if God made me and he knows I would pray for my neighbor. So he would therefore, if I were to pray for my neighbor, God would set the set of circumstances that therefore will lead to the answer to that prayer, knowing I would pray for the neighbor. And in that sense, God answers all our, questions, our, 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 our prayers. He answers our prayers sometimes without having to change his mind. Why? I'll give you an example, just, just as a part of closing this particular segment. I had a... a, 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 a uh, an, an experience when I was in the Congo where a woman came to my office, she owed $30. And she thought she couldn't pay $30. She was actually going to take her own life. So I was, that's how distressing she was. She was. Now, you might think $30, yeah, okay, well, no. $30 might not be a big deal to you, but it was a big deal to her. Like where you, if you owed $1 million right now, it would be a big deal to you, but it won't be a big deal to a billionaire. Yeah. So she came to see me at the office. She's like, well, Pastor, I'm just going to take my life. But I thought I would just come to see you at last minute to get your advice and your prayer. So I prayed with her. I said, Lord, you know, provide for this woman. And so she left and she went home. About half an hour later, somebody knocked on the door. It was a cousin. She hadn't seen a cousin in a long time. And the cousin came and said, I'm just passing by to see you guys. And, and upon leaving, this man left her with $50. So now can you buy something for the children? So now, she like about 45 minutes later, she came bolting in my office, crying, praising God. And I'm like, what happened? She said, as I left, half an hour later, knock on my door, and he was $50. So she had $30 plus 20, right? Yeah. Here's the question. The cousin lived two hours away. We prayed half an hour before that event happened. Mm. When did the departure from the cousin to come to a place to give her $30 start. Mm. 
God, knowing that we would pray, had in his extraordinary providence arranged the events that will answer a prayer without having to recourse to a miracle. So what I'm saying is that God gives us the opportunity in our prayers, while he knows everything that will happen, for us to contribute in what he would do if we pray. So prayer is fantastic. We ought to pray. Oh, it's good stuff, isn't it? All right, well, let's enjoy some more great music uh, from the archives of 105.1 Life FM. If I told you my story, you would hear hope. If I told you my story, you would hear love that never gave up. And if I told you my story, you would hear life, but it wasn't mine. If I
So Samuel, mm. we uh, we were talking about uh, God's knowing. Yes, his uh, his foreknowledge and his middle knowledge, and 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 uh, you you explained um, the situations around um, how our prayers can be instigated, um, yes. or the answer to our prayer is instigated mm. often well before we've actually made the prayer. So God sort of knows that we're going to pray, and yes. He's already got things in motion. So within that context, then. Does our prayers change his mind? Do, do his plans change because we persistently pray? Is that is that a possibility? Is that what is is that what what goes on? Um, because uh, it sort of see it, it sort of seems like there's a little bit of flexibility there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, very good question there. On this one, even some of my uh, my sort of uh, theological heroes uh, uh, tend to be very very cautious about the idea that God could change his mind. I just don't understand even why. Because, again, a conflation between God for knowledge and God for ordination. Okay? The fact that God foreknows something, it's not as though he's fatally bound to what he foreknows that he has to, you know, even when God foreordains something. Okay? When God foreordains something, he freely ordained that it be so. Remember when we were talking about God knows everything that could be, so all the possibilities. Yeah. And he knows everything that will be, and he knows everything that would be, given a set of circumstances. These are just three, four. It's called a subjunctive conditional. If it were to be this way, it would be that way. Like we say, if I were Peter, which I'm not, I would run one of 5.1, far, not, 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 no, less, less, Far less better, <laughs> just because Peter is amazing. If I were Peter, I wouldn't do as a good job to writing one of five point one Life FM the way he does. It almost sounds like parallel universes. Yeah, like there's all this stuff going, and there's all, all uh, a gazillion possibilities. You just yes. step into one yeah. and go along. I, that I, I had to try to sort of make my English formulations make <laughs> make sense. If I were Peter, I wouldn't run one of five point one. As good as he does, right? Okay. There you go. And thank God I am not Peter, so that's good. <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> thank God for Peter. And um, so, but I am not Peter. So when he says, "If I were to, if I, I were Pontius Pilate, I would never crucify Jesus." And thank God I, I, I am not Pontius Pilate, because it was good that Pontius Pilate be Pontius Pilate. Otherwise, we wouldn't be saved, right? Mm, yep. This it's called subjunctive conditional. And so, 
God knows that if it were to be that way, things would be this way. And therefore, in his coordination, he can then set those circumstances to make his plan come to pass. This is why he made Pontius Pilate and Herod and all the people surrounding the event of Jesus, knowing that they would freely choose to put Jesus on the cross. If it were, it were me, I wouldn't have put Jesus on the cross. So God wouldn't have put me to be Pontius Pilate, right? Mm. So that is called God's middle knowledge. And you can imagine this kind of knowledge, only an omniscient and more than omniscient being can have it. And so in that sense, it is God's middle knowledge that directs his providence. His foreordination is directed by his middle knowledge. And so all the subjunctive conditions, if I were to put a, a, a leader in this situation, she would freely choose that. And I want a leader to choose that so that my plan here would be fulfilled. So I will put a leader in this set of circumstances where she would freely choose this and my plan would, fulfill, would be fulfilled. That is incredible. If that doesn't really sort of, for me, when I discovered, I was listening to my, well, my theological hero, William Lane Craig, explaining God's middle knowledge. Uh, I'm Pentecostal and he's not. I'm happy to admit I start speaking in tongues. That's, mm. how, that's how in the spirit of I was caught. I was so excited. And I said one day, I would tell him that uh, when I heard him explaining this, I started bubbling in tongues. It would be weird for him to hear me say that. But that was how exhilarated I was to know that our God, he's not just bound to what will happen will happen. He can foreordain things, and he can plan a very complex structure. Could you imagine what it takes to have a leader born? It takes a leader's parent, and it has to be, they have to come together in a particular time, at a particular moment, for the seed that would produce the leader to be the seed that gets to the egg. Mm. Right? Mm. And then he has to do that with a leader's grandparent, which is four sets of people. Right? And then there is a great-grandparents, great-great-great. It takes an omniscient being to plan to details what would happen to have a leader being born or Pontius Pilate being born or Herod to fulfill his plan. That is how incredible our God is. Mm. But now here's one thing. How can we think that once, since he plans these things, he is therefore to be fated to his plans as though he can't change his plans. We got, got like the creation of the world, the universe, God was eternally there. And one day he decided, he chose to create. God is free. He is free. Mm. So he can say, I will do this. And he can go, no, my mercy will, because it's a part of his character. Because of my mercy, I'm going to change and I'm going to do that. The fact that change, God changes his mind shouldn't shock us. Because there is in God, there is God's justice, there's God's mercy, there's God's love, God's grace. There's all these characters. When the Bible says God doesn't change his mind, only in relation to evil. God doesn't change his mind in relation to his character to become evil. Mm. It's something that's impossible for him to do. I'm the Lord, I change not. But it didn't mean that he can't say, okay, you know, he said, Ezekiah was told, God sent the prophet to say to Ezekiah, Get your house in order, you die. Mm. And as, as soon as Isaiah left, Ezekiah went to his knees, cried unto God, prayed, cried unto God. 
And God said, okay, because of my mercy, 15 more years you've got. Say to the same prophet, go back. It's the prophet that just left. Go back and tell Hezekiah, I've added 15 years. Even the prophet was like, what? <laughs> because we have a loving God who is free to make, God is free to make those plans. And he can go, I made that plan. I can, he can change his plan. It doesn't mean that he's changed his nature. Mm. So when God, the Bible says God is immutable, I'll be actually be talking about, you know, teaching some of these as part of the foundational class I teach. It means he's immutable in relation to his nature. Doesn't change his nature. But his mind and is his set based on his nature. God can say justice shall be rendered here and then said, okay, I will extend my mercy for this time. And that, that is no weakness on his part. No, well, Moses experienced that, didn't he, when uh, he came back off the mountain and yeah. and uh, God was going to kill the three million yeah. Jews, yeah. Um, all, all his people, and Moses interceded, yeah. didn't he, and changed changed God's mind. Now, some of my, my, my theological heroes think, no, this is just anthropomorphical speaking. You know, storytelling where people sort of try to use God in anthropomorphic way. What do, what they mean is anthropos means man. Mm. So morphis is the form. So like, you know, people try to describe God in sort of human terms. That's why they say God changes mind. No, I actually don't think that's the case. Scripture is quite consistent about this. In the case of Moses, case of Ezekiah, you'll find a number of cases where God in, in like, think about it. God's, God's justice could have determined that Adam and Eve perish on the day. Mm. And that's that. And he, he recreate a new man and that's it. He didn't owe anything to Adam. But his mercy stepped in. Mm. So if the two natures of God are, God could decide that without sinful. Right now, the Bible says God is actually patient for the coming of his son because he wants as many as possible to come to Christ. Mm. He could decide that the son of God comes right now. And that'll be the end of history, right? Yeah. And so to say that God can't change his mind, given his nature, whether it is his mercy or his grace, is to make God become so wooden that he's somehow fated within his own planning. No, God is free. Mm. Okay? God is free to sort of decree and change his decrees because he's free. So in a way, does prayer change, our prayers change God's mind? Yeah. There's nothing wrong to say that as a guy cried unto God, and God said to the prophet, go back, tell him, 15 years more I've given him. Mm. That's no witness on God's part. If anything, he makes our God greater. Yeah, And that's something to praise God for. And that is the gospel. <laughs> it is the gospel. <laughs> All right. Well, we've had a lovely session again today, and uh, we've been really pleased with the um, uh, the questions that we get from uh, from those that are listening to us, and we thank you for joining us today. And uh, hopefully, we'll well we'll hear you all again next week, and we'll eventually get to that topic about heaven. <laughs> we will. We will. Yes. You've been listening to uh, a wonderful program. Great uh, thank you to Pastor Samuel and to a leader. A Reasonable Christianity will be back at uh, next Sunday at around about 12.30. And you're listening to 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice. And it's uh, just around about 1.30, so let's go across to the Eaglehawk Presbyterian Church.